Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. Leslie and I are both avid readers. And while talking one day, we realized that we each have books that we describe as life-changing. So today, we are each sharing our list with you in hopes that you may find something valuable there as well. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hello, Les. Thank you so much, by the way, for letting me just dump on you for a minute there before we went on the air. I feel better now. Okay. Hey, anytime. Anytime. I feel like it's become a tradition that I tell people where I'm recording and I need to tell you that I'm in my completely dark garage inside my car. (laughs) I love that, actually. Oh, there you go. You know, if you had a scented candle lit, it almost probably would be the perfect environment. I, you know what? I should have brought one out here. (laughs) Yeah. Just the, you know, like it sounds to me like it's really soothing. And the truth is to podcast, you don't really need a ton of light. I mean, no, not at all. Yeah. Need to see my computer. Yeah. So good for you. Yes. I I hope that when we finish, you can just sit there for a minute and take a couple of deep breaths and enjoy the solitude. Cause I can't imagine you get much of it these days. Almost none. No, but, (laughs) um, okay. So I have a small confession to make about preparing for this podcast. Sure. Okay. So we were talking about like life-changing books. And as I was sitting back over the last couple of days thinking about these books and which ones I would narrow it down to, I felt like none of them were, um, like big and important enough. Like I was like, oh my gosh, will someone think that that's like life-changing? So I was having a little bit of a a little bit of a crisis, but I, I stuck to my guns and picked my three. So there you go. Okay, good. Well, you know, and life-changing might be a really dramatic way of thinking about this. Now for me, I can tell you, and I'll talk about exactly why they were life-changing. Yeah. But I don't mean it in this big, necessarily dramatic way. Sometimes a book is, it just plants a seed. And then it's like a jade plant. It takes forever to grow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's a little bit more like that. Yeah. Or I, I really thought of it as books that helped me, maybe not in my overall, every facet of my life, but they made one part of my life better. Okay. Well, good. That's, that's kind of life changing. Yeah. You know, change that one area of your life. That's right. Yep. 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 Okay, so do you want to go first? Um, I, I, I can pick one, yeah. We can go, ahead. go back and forth. Okay, so the first one that I picked is Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives by Gretchen Rubens. Ooh, I listen to her podcast. Yes, she has quite a few good books. And this one in particular, this is actually the first one that I read of hers. and. There's one quote in this book that obviously, hello, I make planners for a living, that's <laughs> a tremendous amount. 
And that was how we schedule our days is how we spend our lives. Mm. Obviously, that kind of jumped out at me. But really, the I mean, that's just a cute little, you know, quip. But the biggest thing that I learned from this book is that the little things that we do repeatedly every day make a big difference. Yeah. 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 I mean, they just do. The little tiny things that you think are insignificant or the little, I mean, whether they be good or bad, really do add up to a ton of time. And they really can make a really, really big difference in your life. Well, you know, instantly a couple of things come to mind. One is your screen report. You know, if you have an iPhone, I don't know if Google phones do this, but your screen report, you think, oh, I don't really spend that much time on my phone. And then at the end of the week, you get your screen report and it says you spent six hours on your phone. And you're like, what? Oh, no, it's horrifying because six hours would be a good day for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm being a good week. Yeah, it's a little misleading because I listen to podcasts and music and stuff on my phone. So I'm quote unquote on it, even though I'm not looking at it. Right. But still. <laughs> there's a very large part of that where I am on it. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, you know, I, I probably, I relax at night. Like I'll crawl into bed and I do a Sudoku or some kind of a, a different puzzle. And that's my downtime. Yes. But I, and I mark it on TikTok. So I, you know, in the last four months I've spent an exorbitant amount of time on TikTok. Right, right. Because it's my new marketing platform. Yeah, sure. Plus, there's so much positivity there. I can't, you know, I I have to say, I get sucked into the positivity. So, but there's also the the phrase, death by a thousand cuts, that comes to mind. Yep. And then for a lot of years, my company, my counseling slogan was many small improvements lead to big change. Yes. Yeah. So that's what those remind me of. Yeah. And and probably the one thing in this book that sort of like smacked me straight across the face. And oh my gosh, if Dustin were here in this car talking right now, he could give you a thousand examples of this that I do. But one thing she says is the biggest waste of time is to do well the thing that we need not do at all. Yeah. (laughs) And that would be like when I criticized my husband repeatedly for folding the towels the wrong direction. Mm. Like, do I really give a shit (laughs) <laughs> or should I rather? <laughs> uh, there's there's that fine line between, you know, tidiness and making me happy, you know, because I, I am very aware of visual clutter. And then just trying to do well something that I really just need to not do. <laughs> you know, I think to myself the things that I didn't need to do right then. Mm, yeah, that's you know, like, yeah, like. Did my plants really need to get potted yesterday? Right. You know, they, it could have waited to the weekend, but I, you know, I threw that into the middle of an already busy day. Did I really need to do that yesterday? Yeah. Yep. I'm guilty as charged with that too. You know, 
I need the dishes done at a specific time. It's like, well, do I, I mean, no, I guess I really don't. Although time yeah. for dinner, I do want to point out to my husband that we did run out of spoons for the chili. So there's that too. But. You need to buy more spoons <laughs> if you can't get through three meals. I know, right? I think my kids <laughs> throw them away. But you know what? This is why I buy my silverware from Ikea. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So There you go. Anyway, All right. so that's good. Yeah, it's just, there's a lot of little bits and things in there that really stuck with me. And the overall message is one that I've thought about a million times. So it was good enough to put on this list for me. Awesome. Well, you know, and I, when I was thinking about what are the things, I went right back to the early 2000s when my life was kind of getting tipped upside down. And I would go to the bookstore, I go to the self-help section or the spirituality section, and I would literally run my finger across the spines of the books. And I would stop, and then I'd pick a book up, and I'd open it to a random page. If the page spoke to me, I would buy the book. <laughs> I spent hundreds of dollars on books back then. Yeah. And... Many of the books that I bought spoke to me in particular ways. And I can probably say that, you know, there were books that I read in the 90s that I thought were life-changing in some ways. But really, in terms of my, I kind of took it in terms of me personally, like my life-changing. Yeah. And at the top of that list is The Complete Conversations with God, an Uncommon Dialogue by Neil Donald Walsh. And it, it, it was really started with book one, Conversations with God. What was interesting was this book, this, so this guy who was down and out on his luck, I think he was going through a divorce at the time. He was broke. He was a, a writer without a career and he sat down at his laptop. And I want to say, I must've read this before 2000 because I can remember being at a book club, having a conversation about this book. And he said, he just sat down and he, in his frustration, he typed out, God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. And I'm, I might be making some of this up. You'll have to get the book if you want to read exactly what happened because it's really the very first chapter of book one. But my recollection is he writes this sentence and then his fingers just start moving. And yeah. he's surprised about what came next. And it was, okay, well, I'm going to ask another question. And then there was this answer that poured from him. Okay. And I remember... I remember being in this book club and somebody said it's I it was impossible for me to get through this book. The guy is so pompous to think that God spoke to him. <laughs> and in the book club I'm like, "But wait a minute. Where would any Christian be today if that's what we said to Moses?" Well, yeah, like the whole premise of everything I believe is that God will talk to me. <laughs> so it was what well, was really fascinating. So a quote, I'm going to just give you a couple of quotes. Yeah. One is religion asks you to learn from the experience of others. 
spirituality urges you to seek your own. Mm. And that spoke to me. Like it really spoke to me to re- to seek my own understanding of what it meant to be spiritual. Yeah. And, and then in this book, he describes the mission of Jesus. And it says his mission is to save you from not knowing and never experiencing who you really are. His intention was to demonstrate that by showing you what you can become, indeed what you are, if you will only accept it, Jesus sought to lead by example. And so I know I've talked about this in a couple of our a couple of our episodes, maybe last year when we were doing the um Yeah, like the religion faith stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I and it's so interesting to me. This book really took all of the things that I believed in and loved about my Catholicism and my Christian faith and put it in such super plain language that it allowed me to consider a much broader understanding of what it meant for me to be a spiritual person and to yeah, I'll say that. I'll say that. Just it really opened the door, and then I devoured books one, two, and three. And the questions are: they range from why did the Holocaust happen? Uh, what about sex? What about people who step out? What about the Ten Commandments? What about the universe? You know, what about our planetary system? It's right. What about hate? What I mean, it just all of these things, and they made. Most of it made such glaring sense, and it just really it resonated at a very deep level for me. So that's number one on my book recommendation. Yeah. I've I've heard of that book for so long. I I can't actually believe that I've never read it. So you're you're yeah. making me want to put it on my uh, on my hold shelf. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you do, make sure that we talk about it because okay. I and and I I will make that an open invitation to anybody who wants to have a zoom meeting and talk about that. I have recommended that book more than any other piece because it just allowed me to open my mind. Yeah. That's, that's really good. I feel like maybe there was like a movie. There was, but don't do not go back to YouTube. The movie sucked in comparison. Yeah, I, but I'm almost thinking that I might be thinking of a different movie because it was really recent, like mm. within the last eight years, maybe. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So my second one, in keeping with the religious theme here, the book, and I just read this last year, actually, it's Circle Maker. Praying Circles Around Your Biggest Dreams and Greatest Fears by Mark Batterson. Mm. I had seen this book at the Book Barn, which is a little gem of a book store near us that is literally in a barn and everything is super cheap. I'd seen it a whole bunch of times and then finally I just got it because I couldn't find anything else at the time. And it really just talks about prayer. And I... 
pray, but I don't think I'm particularly like good at it or passionate about it the way that I have heard some people are. And even the way I have some friends. And so I was interested in it and it was like a hundred times better than I ever thought it was going to be. Interesting. What was the takeaway? Well, that I am not actually very persistent at all with prayer. And that is, I'll pray and I'll ask for something. And then I very rarely go back to it for more than one or two or at the most three times. And I don't know why, I I guess it didn't even strike me that I was doing that and that most people are more persistent than that. I just, I don't know. It just never crossed my mind. But the stories and his writing, I really, really liked. He talks about this. There's like an, I'm going to totally butcher this, but I think it's like Hopi or some, some name of this guy who prayed, you know, and his prayer was answered. His, he was praying for rain and, and his prayer was answered. But like the last second, it, another thing that stuck out with me is that every miracle starts as a problem. And I think that's oftentimes we don't think about problems and be like, hey, this could turn out to be really amazing. Like we just think of them as problems. So I don't know. It just, it really changed the way I thought about prayer and highlighted some things that I think I could have improved, that I could, certainly I did improve on them. And just that I really need to be specific about the things that I want, which I'm not very good at (laughs) as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, if you're not a religious person, I don't think you'd like it for sure at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for me, it was great. So, well, and so if you're not religious, there's in the conversations with God, there's also a lot of information about prayer and this really practical explanation mm-hmm. of what he's saying it means to pray and ask and you know and he's like i remember and it's been years so this is how poignant it was to me he said i'm your father i'll i want you to have everything that you want but you have to believe that i will give it to you number one and a big part of the problem is is most most of you say well i want candy but no you won't give it to me yeah Right. So there's this, there's, I mean, and that kind of negates the ask. Not only that, like you just said, be very specific. If you say, and this, I know this is kind of an old joke. If you say, I want patience, well, I'm not just, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and have patience for crying out loud. But I will give you many, many, many opportunities to practice, to develop and practice patience. Yeah. Yeah. And so that looks very different than what you're probably thinking when you're asking for it. Yeah. And it also, like, the, you know, he gave an example of he literally prayed circles. He walked seven times around this building that he wanted to get for his church coffee shop in Washington. And, like, I'm not, I, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I just flat out wouldn't do it. You can think what you want to think about that, but I, 
I would not do it. But you know what? It opened my eyes to the possibility of maybe stepping outside of my comfort zone with things like that. And I, I still really haven't done it, but I think about it and it's not off the table. Well, and just that much. I mean, if you only took that much from the book, right? Step outside of your comfort zone, especially yeah. as it applies to faith. I think that's an important lesson. Yeah. Yep. All right. So for me, number two, and we've talked about this indirectly before, it's messages from the masters tapping into the power of love by Brian Weiss. And I introduced Brian Weiss in our reincarnation episode last year. So I read one of his books, right? Isn't he the author that you had me read? He is one of the authors. Yes. And messages from the masters. So he is a traditional psychotherapist and he was the department chair of the university of Miami school of psychiatric medicine. And he used hypnosis to help his patients manage pain. Mm. And one of his patients began recalling past life traumas that seemed to hold maybe the key of her recurring nightmares and anxiety attacks. And he was super skeptical. He was a trained medical doctor. And then she began to channel messages from what she would call the space between lives. And there's just all of this really fascinating stuff. But what the book, the my takeaway from the book is that love is never a dependency. And that at all times, I could practice the experience of love. It meant that in my craziest, most wildest, fearful moments, if I could understand that that moment in time had value in its intention for my life, I could love myself through that moment. Hmm. And I can literally remember some of the most heartbreaking moments in my divorce saying to myself, act in love, Leslie, act in love. Yeah. Stay focused, stay grounded in love, Leslie, be loving, Leslie, be the love. And, you know, so, and I've just had just come off of it, the conversations with God series and where, you know, the ideas is to embody what Christ taught. And then this messages from the masters who is indicating that we are here for a very specific reason. We are here to learn how to be Christ-like. Like each lifetime is bringing us closer to that ability to love the way that Christ loved. And so I would just say, there must be a reason. There must be a reason for this. <laughs> and then I would say, love, love, love. Just stay grounded in love. And I wasn't, I wasn't perfect at it in any way, shape, or form. But it was. It was the takeaway from that book, and it really drove my curiosity and fascination for the rest of his material. And I started devouring, and I mean devouring, reincarnation books. 
One other thing that came out of that book is the quote, forgiving does not mean forgetting. It means understanding. Yeah, that's great. And when we can step back and understand, not not agree with, but understand why someone could behave in a particular way, we can let go of the pain and quote unquote forgive, right? Not accept, not agree, but forgive. We can let go of it. And I think that that was very true for me. Yeah. I enjoyed reading the book that you had me read. That was my first introduction to it. And it was, it was very easy to read and very interesting. So fascinating, fascinating stuff. All right. So my last book, this is also written by someone. It's a very churchy book. However, I would say that this should be some book like this should be required reading because it helps me a lot. And if you're not into like reading all the Bible quotes in here, just skip them, but still read the book. It is called Keep It Shut, What to Say, How to Say It, and When to Say Nothing at All by Karen Amen, E-H-M-A-N is her last name. I don't know how to say it. Hmm. So I was interested in this book because I am a pretty open book person with my life. I don't really have any secrets. I don't really mind sharing anything with anybody, obviously. (laughs) And sometimes I forget that not everybody is like that. (laughs) So that is tricky for me sometimes to put myself in their shoes. And I also think that, I mean, at the heart of this book, it's probably a book about how not to gossip. Although I would say that gossip to me seems very, you know, middle school. And as an adult, it becomes, it's still a thing, but it's a lot more nuanced and it becomes more complicated. And, you know, if you know something that might protect somebody else, do you tell them or do you not? And, and that, that absolutely could be gossip for sure, but also very helpful and needed and I certainly would want to know if the shoe were on the other foot. So reading this was, it had a lot of like practical pieces. And it also let me know that I don't need to tell everyone. Like there there was an example and I can't, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. Basically, like sometimes you don't need to come clean because it'll hurt somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting to me. The other thing, that this helps me with a lot was scenarios about how to say certain things tactfully and honestly that are hard to say. And they, I think the example used was like, Hey, I'm your kid's like soccer coach or cheerleading coach or whatever it was. And no, they didn't get picked for this. They got picked because they just really aren't good. You know, like how to be really honest in a really kind, loving, tactful way. And for somebody like me who doesn't like confrontation, that's very helpful. Honestly, I listened to it 
as an audiobook, I don't know that I thought, wow, this is like really well written. And there were definitely a ton of examples from the Bible, lots of Proverbs. And again, I, with or without that, like the message was still really helpful for me because, you know, this is like a big part of communication. And I just think it really helps. I think you need to wrap that book in gold foil and send it to our president. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't think he'd read it. So I probably need to have someone like read it from with a bullhorn. (laughs) You could, you could, that could be your public service. Um, energy. You could stand outside the White House gate with a bullhorn and read aloud to him. Yeah, seriously. There you go. It's my volunteerism for the week. <laughs> but, All right. So it's well, a, that last one's very practical. Very, very practical. Very specific. Okay. I think that's good. I would say that my last one takes us in the opposite direction. Is daring greatly. How the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead by the infamous Brene Brown. The book essentially is, quote, a powerful new vision that encourages us to dare greatly, to embrace vulnerability and imperfection, to live wholeheartedly, and to courageously engage in our lives. And I listened to this book about six, five years ago. And it was summertime and I was doing a lot of walking. And I want to say it might have been four years ago because I want to say Harlan had already been diagnosed. And I came home one day and I said, so a quote of the book, and this is kind of the essence of it. If we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame cannot survive. Mm, And what's really powerful about this book is she talks about shame is at the cornerstone of dysfunction. And shame is only present when we keep it locked up. Yes. It cannot survive when you open the door and expose it by sharing your story. Mm -hmm. Right. And not that I held a ton of shame. I think if anything, I held this shame that I wasn't in on the inside, the person that I demonstrated on the outside. Mm, And we've kind of talked about this before too. Like I'm an extroverted introvert. You know, I, I'm very less so today, but I, especially back then I was very susceptible to personal criticism to judgment. And I just, I I finished reading this book and came home and sat down and started talking to Harlan and thought, I need to just tell my story. I just need to expose myself Mm -hmm. so that I'm not hiding behind it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? It's it was more it was less about everybody else and more about me laying myself out there so that I couldn't hide. I had to get out front of myself. Yeah. And so I came home and I started writing and for four months, every single day I wrote and I essentially told my story, which by the way, I'm hoping to put into a book by January. I've gotten a manuscript back out. I mean, it's, and I'm slowly trying to work on it, but I think that that book was the beginning of everything. It was the beginning that I do publicly. It was the beginning of my blog. It was the beginning of the Elevate class. It was the beginning of This Is Less Than Everything. Yeah. The podcast. You know, it's like when you make a decision to put yourself out there, there isn't anything to hide from. And it's still the impetus when I have on some great music and I'm thinking I should do a TikTok to this and I dance real quick. And then I'm like, push the button less than quick before you can change your mind. That's me. <laughs> That's me going, okay, I'm daring greatly because this is part of who I am too. Yeah. It's too easy for me to hide behind the, this is less than persona. Right. Yeah, I I want to just this is Leslin needs to be just this is Leslin. I'm imperfect. I'm a mess sometimes. I'm smart and motivated, and I have a lot of good things to say. But I'm also I'm just this whole package. Yeah, and I I want to make sure that the whole thing gets seen. At least the healed parts. I you know I still think it's smart to hold on to the raw things so that and and protect them until they're healed and then you can yeah, talk about them. Right. I I maybe I should read that. I can't I think I started to read it and then I don't know. I I must have gotten busy or something. I can't remember, but because it sounds very familiar, but I know I haven't read the whole thing. However, I run into that with again, very similarly to you being the the face of a business and not wanting to maybe tell the customers every little thing about me because they might not want to support the brand if they know everything about me. Screw um, them then. And, and yeah. And so, but finding, you know, finding that balance is very weird for me. I think that's what I'm saying, though, is that I I finished the book. And by the way, I would say the last 25% of the book is about leadership. And I didn't read that part. Yeah, because it really she talks about corporate stuff. And I'm and I'm not part of the corporate world. So I didn't read that part. Uh, But I think that's what I mean is that I came away from that with this understanding that I could let myself not be liked or supported. And it's okay. Right. You know, that some people like chicken, some people like steak. Some people don't like either one. And I am filet mignon. I am (laughs) USDA choice. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Right. I I get it. You might be a vegetarian and red meat just turns you off. So that's okay. I'm all right with that. 
but there are enough people who like steak that they'll hang out and I don't need to have everybody like me. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where when I get negative trolls or negative comments on my TikToks, and I guess I'm TikTok famous enough for that now. Um, <laughs> That's how you know you've really made it. Yeah, I guess, you know, and, and there's one, one post in particular is getting some traction recently and there are, Several, you know, there's thousands of comments and there are several hundred, I guess, at this point that say, this is ridiculous. And I just think to myself, yeah, but, you know, there's maybe a hundred of you and there's 1700 positive responding. Yeah, right. And so I don't, you know, so you guys like chicken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't like everything that every person I meet, I don't, I mean, I, I want to say one other thing about this book. She says, I define vulnerability as uncertainty, risk with emotional exposure. With that definition in mind, let's think about love. Waking up every day and loving someone who may or may not love you back whose safety we can't ensure and who may stay in our lives or leave. Wow. That's vulnerability. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I think when I was making these notes, I thought, isn't it interesting that all these books that touched me speak to this global idea of love? Love, yeah, right. And so I find that interesting. I'm going to explore that a little bit. <laughs> but I think it's it really embodies where I kind of was in in my life, and maybe most importantly, it says, "Hey, Leslie, love yourself." Yeah, you know. Yep. So there you have it. Those are six books. Ironically, they're all spiritual based, one way or the other. Yeah, that's very interesting. It is. That says a lot about who we are, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, even, I, yeah, I, I would hope that, you know, everyone can maybe identify with wanting to read at least one of them. So that's the Try This at Home. That is. Go ahead and put these on your book list. Share it with other people. Start a book club. If you're in a book club, add it to your book club. There's a whole new generation that's you know, for some of the books I recommended, you guys were just learning how to read when I was reading them and talking <laughs> about them. So go ahead and put those. Let's get a whole nother generation excited about personal growth and introspection. So I guess that's it for our discussion today, Les, unless you have anything else to add. I don't. No. Okay. Well, for now, this is Leslie and Les Lynn, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional. 